This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the bi-week edition of the Winning Drop Podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita Show on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And as we get to this bye week, Cordell, we got to, you know, talk about there's a lot of good things about this team. Clearly, they're nine and three. Um, they are at the top of their division, atop of the AFC right now um, because they have, you know, more wins uh, than the others. But there are some concerns here. And it, we alluded to it a little bit in the last podcast, um, you know, particularly this offense and how cold at times it seems now. I do think that we have to give a little bit of grace because this was the first full game without Mark Andrews being there. And I think, you know, look, I know he didn't play week one, so it's not the first time, but it's the first time that you know that he's not going to be there moving forward for quite some time. Um, So there's that. My concern, Cordell, is this. I've been very frustrated with how the Ravens have handled um, elite pass rushers in this offense. I feel like that, um, they are not doing enough to neutralize elite pass rushers. And when you start looking at the schedule, you have Aaron Donald coming up against, you, you know, with the Rams. Um, then you have Josh Allen uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Chase Young and Nick Bosa you have in San Francisco. And, I mean, you know, I'm really not really sure if if you want to consider guys like Bradley Chubb being in that conversation for Miami, but they do have, you know, some defense down there and then ending the season with TJ Watt uh, against the Steelers. Um, So for me, it's problematic. They have not come up with a solution in terms of how to manage these pass rushers. And it feels like they continue to ignore the fact that, the tackles have struggled and they've done nothing to 
Now I'm going to say nothing because we know that they've chipped, but that's not working. So what is the next step? What is the plan B, the plan C, and plan D? And it feels like they don't have one and continue to do the game plan of letting Lamar drop back in the pocket, although their tackles are getting bull rushed. So when you look at what this offense is looking like now, and without Mark Andrews moving forward with all the guys that I just mentioned, what do you feel is the solution potentially? And is this a problem or am I just tripping? You know, because it could be just me. No, I mean, the offensive line play hasn't been great this year. But like you mentioned, the tackles haven't been up to par. Um, Morgan Moses is dealing, both of them are dealing with injuries. Let's just let that be known. Um, Both of them are dealing with their own individual injuries. And um, Mm. I guess the thing for me is I, I think the Ravens, you know, in their mind, they have an elite left tackle. Um, and Ronnie Stanley, he's paid as such. And he's all, I mean, for the most part of his career, he's played like an elite tackle to his credit. And this year hasn't been that for him. Um, he is still dealing with injuries and he's dealt with injuries in the past and played through it. I mean, last year he played through injuries and he looked better than he does right now. I mean, I guess that's a testament to how much he's really hurt probably. Um, Cause when you watch him on film, I mean, that right leg, he can't, he just really can't plant on the on that right leg. He, he he just isn't able to let that leg be his anchor um the way that it's supposed to be. And so um that's when you get some of the things, uh, some of the plays like we saw even in the Chargers game where he's literally getting shoved into Lamar's chest. Yeah. Lamar has to kind of find a way um out of that and, and find a way to extend the play. Um, like you said, they've tried some things. They've chipped guys. They brought in Patrick Ricard uh, back there and has used him for an extra blocker and stuff. It's only but so much you can do realistically um, because you get to a point, if you if you are going to start saying, okay, we're going to put extra blockers back there, well, then you get to the point to where you're taking away guys that are going down the field to get over. Right. Already down one target in Mark Andrews. Um, which is the biggest target that they have. So then you start to get, if you say you're going to start leaving Ricard back there and putting Ricard on the field more so that he's a, a, a help on the edge and he stays into block and maybe he, he blocks and then goes out in the flats or something like that. Or um, you have your running backs chipping, which they've done as well. I, I just, I just don't know if there's any more that they can do. I mean, sure there is more, but, everything comes with a give and take, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I said, it's just, do are you going to be okay with less people going out for routes to save uh, your quarterback some extra time? And that's the, that's the really uh, honest question that they're going to have to ask themselves in certain situations. Um, they are blessed in the standpoint that they do have Lamar Jackson who can extend plays, who's really good at getting out of the pocket and, yeah, I don't think it's great to go out there and basically say, yeah, Lamar, you, you kind of got to go and fight for your life and try to get away from these guys. I mean, obviously, that's not um, the decision you want to make either. But that's it's, it's, these are the type of tough decisions and tough game plan choices you have to make when you're an offensive coordinator. And that's what Todd Munkin, I'm sure, is really wrecking his brain on this week during a bye week because like you said after the bye week I mean they have some sort of legit pass rusher in every single one of the games 
uh, that they're playing. And even the Dolphins one, like even if you don't look at Bradley Chubb as a legit pass rusher, I mean, Christian Wilkins inside is a guy that that can definitely get to the quarterback. So um, I, 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 I am curious to see how Todd Munkin goes about trying to fix that. I just don't know if they have the you know, I, I don't know if they'll be able to find a solution to neutralize these guys. I mean, at the end of the day, these are great players. You can only you they they kind you know you didn't really hear from Khalil Mack a lot in the first half, second half he's everywhere. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way this thing goes. Sometimes you know these are great players. They're played as they, they, they get paid to do their job as well. Um, so you're not going to win every battle, but you do have to try your best to try to neutralize these guys as, as best as you can. You can't let them wreck your entire game plan. Yeah, I mean, and and look, there's ways that they can do that that I don't think that they've done consistently um, or at all. I mean, there's what, you know, you, you can move the pocket to kind of get Lamar. You can roll them out to kind of get away from the, the rusher to kind of, you know, get – him to move away so the tackles won't have to feel like you know he's not getting bull rushed um, into from the tackles. Um, there's running right at the guy, whether it's you run draws at him and, and you kind of take him out of the, the play or running screens at him. Um, and I just don't – I think that they either have tried a screen and then it doesn't work and then they're just like, we're not going to do it again, or they're just not doing those things. And I think that that's the problem that I have. I, I don't think chipping is enough. But there are other options that I don't think that the Ravens, I don't think that they've exhausted their options. I think that that's my issue is that there's ways of doing it. And I just don't know why you haven't utilized those plays as of yet. And you continue to put Lamar in uncomfortable situations of trying to get him to drop back and wait for somebody to be open. Now, look, the slants worked fine, didn't they? You know, I mean, and so sometimes you might have to do those types of things. You might have to run some quick slants. You might have to run some quick drags to try to get the ball out of his hands. But also it puts the receiver in good position as well because it's very hard to defend those types of plays. I just really want to see them come out of this bye week finding a way to be more consistent because it does not get easy. It gets harder. And and you have to find a way to help Lamar. I don't know if that means if – we think that Ronnie Stanley is just not going to be able to be healthy and you put somebody else in. I don't know what the answer is, quite frankly. At the very least, though, Cordell, I just want them to try other things that I have yet to see them try. And that's the part that I think is frustrating the most because you're the offensive coordinator. You know, you know, I would think that you would implement some of these things. And I just don't think that they've done that as of yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely agree with the move in the pocket. That's not something that they've done a lot of this year and some coaches like to do it. Some don't. Um, I mean, I, and I don't think it's a situation where Todd Munkin doesn't like to do it. They did it a, a couple of times early, but it's not something that we see on a weekly basis right. from them. Uh, I think they, when it comes to mobility and just moving around, they kind of just let Lamar be Lamar back there because his game involves, involves so much mobility in itself that that's what you're getting. But and but even moving the pocket, like I said, I, I wouldn't be against it. It's worked for them in the past. Um, I guess it's it, I don't know if it's of the fear of cutting off a side of the field, which I could understand. But also, you know, you have to do something. You, you got to do something. And um, they do have times where they're getting protection. They do have, like I said, they, I mean, even in the Garrett one against Cleveland, I mean, Miles Garrett in the first half wasn't really there. So sometimes I think it's just, 
the way the game goes. You know, you get a mm-hmm. you get a half good, you know, of, of good offense against these guys where you neutralize them, and then that next half they come out, they make their adjustments, and it's a different ball game. Sometimes that's the way it goes. I will say it hasn't necessarily been a situation in the past. I mean, the uh, the pass protection is a problem. I, I I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm saying it's not. It clearly is. It clearly is, especially on the edge. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it, it just hasn't been a game where we've seen a pass rusher completely dominate for four straight quarters. Like no, that, but the problem is, is that they it, they typically dominate the in the second matters. half. Right. And that's when you really want to close the game right. out, right? And that's the and that's, issue. And that's the thing. I mean, you these guys, I mean, especially Khalil Max, the the Miles Garrett, the TJ Watts, they usually make their presence felt when the game is on the line. They usually, you know, come through and make a big play late game. And I, I just think that the Ravens are still kind of holding out hope that their tackles will bounce back and, and play the way that they feel like they should. And to this point, it hasn't necessarily been the way that way. Um, and I think that they, you know, they they already are a quick passing game in terms of like a lot of their passes are short to intermediate. They they don't go down the field a lot. And even when they do, it hasn't worked a lot this year. Um, I I just can't put my finger on it. I think a, a, the easy answer is Ronnie and those guys have to play better. They have to be better than what they've been. Um, but it's tough if they aren't physically able to do it. If, if Ronnie isn't physically able to be the guy over there on the blind side, you, it doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's, it's going to pretty much be that type of result um, more times than not. I don't know if you go the route of putting Makari in, how much you trust that. I mean, we've seen him have his issues when he's in there as well, and they have the injury concern when it comes to Makari and his back. So it's, it's just – it's so tough, you know, when you have offensive line issues, especially when it's back in the season, back into the season that you're, you know, that is really still happening. It's kind of just like, what the hell are we going to do? It's not offensive linemen on the street that you could just bring in. It's things that, like you mentioned, that you can do game plan wise. Um, but everything has a, you know, everything has an answer to it. It's just, I just think the, the easy solution and it's, it's not an, it's not easy to be done, but it's easy to be said that they just have to be better than what they've been. Absolutely. I definitely hope that, you know, that's just something that they focus on because of all the guys that we named coming up in the next few weeks. You have to find a way to make sure that those guys don't take over games like we've seen Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack and others do as the game decides to go on. And when we come back, we'll talk about what it is that people want from this offense and what from this team moving forward here on Winning Drive. All right, so Cordell and I asked you guys, what are your concerns, what your thoughts are, what your questions are regarding your Baltimore Ravens? So we are here to give you our opinions uh, based on your questions. So first question is, the top three free agents you want the team to retain this offseason? Cordell, who would you like to see the Ravens keep? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they'll be able to keep the guys that I'm a name, um, at least not all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'll I'll start with Matt Abike, 10 sacks right now on the interior of that defensive line. I mean, he is having himself a monster year. 
I am still cautiously optimistic about Matabike going forward. Um, I'm always a little wary when guys have their best seasons in contract years. <laughs> I'm always wary about that. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's and it's not a the thing that makes it weird with Matabike is it's not like I don't think that this is the type of guy he can be. I thought I've been thinking this for a while. I think a lot of people have been waiting for Matabike to show the way that he has this season. Um, now I don't know if the guy's a 10 sack guy a year. I don't think that's who he is, but look, he had seven and a half sacks last year. He's already up to 10 right now. I expect him to go beyond that number when the season is over. Um, I just, I just don't know if this is the type of dominant force he'll be for the remainder of his career. Maybe with the Ravens, possibly, possibly with the Ravens. But if I'm somebody else, I don't know if I'm necessarily breaking the bank uh, to bring Justin Matabike in because of the great year he had this year with the Ravens. I, the Ravens have a lot of great. Well, this is not one of your top three free agents. Is it or is it not? I'm confused. He is. He is for the Ravens. For the, for the Ravens, for okay. the Ravens, he'd be. It feels like you're not interested because well, you feel I, like this I don't, is a one-year deal. I think he's going to out. I think he's already outpriced himself. And okay, I, 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 I do. I would like to have him back, but for the number that it's going to take to retain him, I don't know in the long run if he'll end up being worth it. In my opinion, um, I, I think he's got a lot of great things around him right now that are helping him play to this level. I don't know if this dominance is sustainable for him. Uh, the next one would be Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen, I do, I do think is sustainable, and I know people has had have had their issues with Patrick Queen uh, in the past, but hate him or love him, this dude, unlike Matabike, has consistently gotten better each year of his career. He has made mega strides, I would say, from each year, and so. He is more along the lines of the guy that I can trust that what I'm seeing right now, I believe I could get that going forward from Patrick Queen. Um, the other one would, I'm trying to think of the, uh, all the free agents. I mean, I guess technically Beckham's a free agent, right? Beckham's technically going to be a free agent next year. Um, I would say Beckham. Oh, actually I take that back. Scratch that. I don't say Beckham. I'm going to say Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney is another one that I would say that they need to bring back for real. I wouldn't be upset if they started having talks as soon as today about an extension with Jadavian Clowney the way that he's played. Yeah, Jadavion is definitely one of mine. Um, You already mentioned Matabike, so I'll go with Patrick Queen, even though, you know, I don't know if he's outpriced himself, but I would love to have him and Roquan be the dynamic duo that they are for years to come. And I will say Odell, and this is why, Cordell, I'm going to say Odell because people are going to be like, oh, Odell. Yeah, but he has an 11 million dead cap hit for 2024, okay? And to me, that's problematic, particularly if you think that the Ravens are potentially going to move on from Ronnie Stanley. We don't know if that's going to happen, right? But if they do, he has a $17 million dead cap hit for 2024. So, uh, you want both of them? My math says that that's $28 million. It's a lot of money. And I think it's just better to re-sign Odell for the, the case of cap. Um, and, you know, I think that Odell's signing is a little bit more 
than the superficial part, which is the on the field part. I do think that having him there um, does a lot of good for that team as well. Um, even on the field with in terms of like if you having him as a decoy or off the field because he's one of the vets, I think it's good to keep him around. So those are my three uh, free agents that I would like to see them retain. What's the next question that we got, Spencer? All right. Would it be worth it to sign Shaq Leonard? We know that the linebacker was released uh, from the Indianapolis Colts. And he is currently, I believe he went through waivers, so he is currently a free agent. So, uh, you know, do you think that that's a, an upgrade that they need or can we just move along? I would say just move along. I love Darius Leonard. I got to watch him at South Carolina State um, completely wreck Morgan State uh, down there in South Carolina. So I, I've always been a big fan of uh, now Shaq Leonard. But the realization is he's not coming to Baltimore. It's a two-team race between Philly and Dallas. He's already met with both teams. And I, I do know people that are kind of close to that situation. As soon as he got released, those were the first two teams that I heard about. Uh, he has ties into both of those organizations. Um, so, uh, But just for bleeps and giggles, look, of course he'd be a huge uh, upgrade for the Ravens. I mean, the Ty's Bowser situation is still hanging over them. They could use that depth there on the outside. Leonard is a guy that's great in coverage. He's a speed guy. He's a great tackler. I think his style of play would fit well with this defense. I just don't think realistically that that's an option in his mind. I would much rather the Ravens upgrade uh, on the defensive line front. Um, just kind of, and, and, and I mean that in a good, I mean, like, Meta BK has played very well. Travis Jones has played very well. I do think that they gotta they need one more guy that can just push a little bit, you know, to get to get these uh guys really wrecking havoc um in terms of the 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 middle of the offensive, like in the A gaps. So I personally don't think that there's a need for Shaq Leonard. Now I do understand the point because you don't know if Tyus Bowser what his situation is. Um and so there's some question marks there, but I do like this linebacking core. Um, I, I do think that they do a good job. Um, I, for me, I, I, I want somebody to collapse, uh, collapse the pocket. That, oh, that's what I want. I prefer that type of dude. I was going to say, uh, with considering Shaq Leonard is probably not a realistic option, I was going to still try to keep this question going and replace him with like Zach Ertz, who was released. I mean, the Ravens do have a tight end spot open, so you know, hey, maybe I wouldn't be against it. I, I would not at all. All right, one more question uh, in this segment figure out what we got going on. Is Jadavian Clowney's resurgence credited to the scheme or his efforts? I think it's a little bit of both, Cordell. I mean, I think that Jadavion, he was the number one overall pick. So it's not that it's not that he's not talented. We've all known he's been talented. Um, there's been some inconsistencies over the years. Some of it has been injury, you know, some of it has been maybe lack of motivation, um, you know, from where he's gone. Uh, but I think that Jadavion is extremely talented. I think he's in a scheme that plays very well to his strengths. Uh, and I think that he likes being in the system and he likes being on a team that's actually probably going to be in the playoffs. And that is motivation because you think you are in position to win a championship. 
Yeah, I think that this is one of those situations where just being happy has played Absolutely. a big part. Um, he's had he's shown he's openly talked about his frustrations, not this year, but in the past, about some of the previous stops that he's made. Um, and I just think, you know, everybody for a while has always felt like Clowney and the Ravens were kind of a match made in heaven. And I think right now we're just seeing that everybody was right about that. Yep. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, we'll answer more of your questions here on Winning Drive. All right. So we are answering questions from your mailbag. Cordell and I asked you for questions regarding what your concerns, questions and thoughts were for your Baltimore Ravens. So here's our next question. Can the Ravens clinch the number one seed if they finish? 13 and four. I must say no. I mean, they already, they already have an a disadvantage. They have three conference losses. So the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. That's where I stand with it. They're already at a disadvantage. They have the hardest schedule moving down the stretch anyway. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's completely off the table. I'm saying that it's a very good chance it's not going to happen anyway because they've dug themselves in a, a AFC hole at this point. You yeah, think? I think that'll probably be the defining factor. I mean, I'm looking at the Chiefs schedule right now, who's eight and three um, as well. I mean, their toughest game left is Buffalo. They do go to Green Bay on Sunday night football this upcoming Sunday. I mean, yep. anything can happen. Uh, and Green Bay has played well as of late. I don't expect the Chiefs to lose that game. But, again, anything can happen, especially going to Lambeau. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I have a tough time imagining that uh, the Chiefs are going to find a way to lose more than one or other game. Another team to watch out for, the the Jaguars. The Jaguars sit at 8-3 and three right now. I look at their record. I mean, I look at their schedule. They have a matchup against the Ravens. Yeah. Um in a couple of weeks. But other than that, um, going to Cleveland will be tough for them in two weeks. I do think that'll be a tougher game. Maybe going to Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't think Tampa Bay is a super tough team, but they are they're one of those hot and cold teams. You don't know what type of team you're going to get to show up on any given week. And I'm not a big believer of the Jags this year. I, I, I actually yeah. like Houston more than I like uh, Jacksonville right now. So, I mean, I, I, to your point, I think the Ravens, uh, their AFC record right now, their conference record is kind of going to be the thing that does them in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be an uphill battle to hold on to that one seed. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, it's it's just going to be, it's going to take a lot of moving parts for them to come up with the number one seed. Um, I actually don't want them to get the number one seed, but I think that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> so there's that. Um, all right, next question. Is John Harbaugh holding back this team from being elite? What's your thoughts on this, Cordell? No. I don't. They've been elite with John Harbaugh. I mean, the Ravens have always been one of the elite teams in the league, in my opinion, the last couple of years. Now, let's not let's not get confused. Their injury issues with them struggling on the field. They have 
had major injuries specifically to the quarterback position the last couple of years that I think has hindered them from getting to where they want to be. But I, I just think, and this is what, it's not just exclusive to Ravens fans. This is, these are all fans that go through this. Everybody's got an issue with the coach at some point in time. Everybody thinks they're smarter than the coach. And I'm not sitting here defending Harbs and saying he's perfect. He's far from it. We've talked at, at nauseum about his lack of, uh, his, his bad decisions or lack thereof throughout throughout the course of the games. We've talked about his the challenges on uh, in the Chargers game, the the game earlier in the year where they told Zayda uh, fair catch and and then instead of calling timeout and you know switching that up, he doesn't. I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys that I, I try to stay in the moment. I try to keep things where they are, and when I criticize. And in this case, John Harbaugh, I try to keep it in perspective, but in no way, shape or form do I think that the Ravens are better off without John Harbaugh. We'll see what happens in the postseason if he ends up costing them a game. But from my account, the last couple of years that the Ravens have been knocked out in the postseason, I don't think that those have basically been uh, because of John Harbaugh. I think it's been because of the play on the field that's caused them those losses in the postseason. So I would disagree with that. I don't know how to feel about this, Cordell. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I go back and forth. I don't know. Um, and I say that because, I, I, you know, the fourth quarter collapses to me. Yes, I am putting that on the players uh, 100%. I just don't think that they're the only culprits that oh, are part not. of that equation. And I think that the head coach is a part of that equation. And so while I think that John Harbaugh is a player's coach, I don't like using the word player's coach because I don't th- I don't necessarily think like he just listens to what players want. I mean, and he, he does. Their input is absolutely important, which I think all coaches should feel that way. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily like the term player's coach because I don't think he just listens to whatever it is that they have to say. I mean, I think he, you know, has a nice healthy balance of what it is that he wants to implement and the things that they see that they want to do. But there's times where I do feel like like coaching got to be better. You know, we talked about the Chargers game. Like, you, how are you captain yellow flag and then don't throw flags for, you know, the first down situations and then turn around? Because who's upstairs? And these are your people. You know what I'm saying? These are your people. And then you do throw the flag for something that was obviously legal. You right. know, um, it, it, there's there's been – Things like that have have happened this season that makes you scratch your head. Um, like you said, the 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 Zay Flowers situation in the Colts game. Uh-huh. How was that not communicated? I put that on the head coach, and they probably win that game had that been communicated. You know what I'm saying? So um, while I don't think the answer is a flat-out um, yes, I feel like that there are some situations where if someone wanted to make a case, you couldn't ignore it either, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the answer will come, like you said, we have to see what they do during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That will give me a better idea of what I think about Harbaugh and what this team is, because this team is too good on paper, in my opinion, for um, them to get into the playoffs and then have find themselves with a quick exit. I, I just don't, particularly with the way that the rest of the AFC is, is, is going about its way. You know, Buffalo isn't what we thought it would be. Kansas city is, you know, now having a defense and, and their offense is 
is is a little shaky at times. Um, no reason why the Ravens should not find a way to win a playoff game this postseason. So we're going to find out. But my answer right now is to be determined. That's where I'm going to go with that. All right, last question. What we got? Can the Ravens keep both Patrick Queen and Justin Matabike? The answer is no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think long term. Yeah, I don't think long term. No. Uh, and it would take some, it would it would take some uh, contract renegotiating yep. and stuff. And um, it's a couple of contracts that they could have reworked this year that they didn't. We talked about Ronnie Stanley. Could he be a post June one cut next year? They save a nice chunk of change cutting Ronnie. Um, Tyus, I would imagine that that situation will fix itself, but they'll save some money in that regard too if they decide to go that route. So I think one, I don't, I don't think both of those guys get long-term deals. That's not feasible. Now, could there be a situation where they franchise tag Matabike and then get Patrick Queen signed long-term? I could see that. I could definitely see that. I saw Adam Schefter the other day talking about Matabike on his pot on his podcast, and he said that. Uh, he talked about how the Ravens had tried to make an effort to sign Matabike before the season started. And Matabike essentially decided to bet on himself. And he's looking like an absolute genius for doing that. Um, but that's not going to stop the Ravens from using their franchise tag. And I think that I, I think and I think in their minds, they believe this as well. They have a better shot of getting Patrick Queen signed long term than Matabike. Mm. Um, and I think Matabike would be the right now, he's the franchise tag candidate in my mind. Yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you said maybe short term, I don't see that either. So, hey, prove us wrong, Ravens. I mean, and make it happen, but as of right now, I don't. There's a lot of parts that have to move, like you said, there's a lot of reconstructing that has to go on with other people's contracts. There's just a lot of things that would have to be put in place in order to make these things happen. And a perfect world, yes, you, you can keep them both. But unfortunately for uh, fans, the NFL does have a salary cap that some people, you know, definitely um, don't take lightly. And the Ravens are one of those teams that don't take their salary cap lightly. So that's really the, the concern here. But uh, hopefully one of, of those guys, or maybe both, you know, can find their way back in purple and black in 2024. So we'll see how that goes. We want to thank you all for listening. Enjoy your bye week. Cordell, what are you doing on your bye week, by the way? Working. Working more okay. than I do <laughs> during the regular season uh, when okay. the Ravens are playing. Uh, I've been filling in for Bob uh, on Vinny and Haney this week, and now I'm filling in for both of them as I'm riding solo uh, to finish the finish the week, which is fine. Always love uh, talking to the people of Baltimore. So doing a lot of that and uh, still watching football is, you know, still other teams to pay attention to. And with the Ravens not playing this week, it allows us to really uh, lock in and see, A, how the rest of the AFC North will be doing this weekend. Joe Flacco, former yep. Raven, gets an opportunity. Looks, it's looking like he'll be starting, he'll be starting. Browns yep. this weekend. And uh, you want to see, I guess, if Pittsburgh's offense is, is really different now without Matt Canada. They look really different the first game without him. We'll see if that trend can continue. But uh, yeah, we'll see what the rest of the league does with the Ravens getting some rest. 
I'm enjoying my bye week. I like to call this sucker free Sunday because I don't got to worry about stress. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm going to go see the Beyonce movie. Yes, I saw her live. I don't care. I'm going to go see the movie. I'm going to sit there for two hours and 45 minutes and sing all of the songs and the concert. Uh, and that's going to be it. And then when I come out, I watch the rest of the game. So I am uh, taking care of me uh-huh. this weekend. So whatever you <laughs> right. Whatever you guys are doing this weekend, whether it's watching football, it is also college football championship mm-hmm. weekend. So there's a lot going on. Uh, make sure you enjoy it because we're back to being stressed out for the final five weeks of the season. And Cordell and I will be back next week so we can talk about the coming up matchups that the Ravens have uh, down the stretch. We want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.